Join me in prayer, would you? Heavenly Father, it's so good to be in your house on uh, this great day. Lord, we thank you for Easter. It's because of Easter that we have hope. Hope not only in this life, but hope in the life to come. I pray, dear Lord, that today you would be a strength and comfort to uh, Miss Linda Finley over the loss of her brother John. And I pray, dear God, that you would be with Brother Don Yarbrough over the loss of his precious wife, Alice. And dear Lord, as we have the funeral for Miss Alice here at the church tomorrow, uh, may your presence be felt in that service as well. And dear Lord, it is through this resurrection that we have hope and that we know that she's walking on the streets of gold. Would you bless this service in a special way? Speak to every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome to Easter Sunday here at Cavanaugh Church. If you're a guest, we extend a warm welcome to you. I don't know if you uh, had a chance to be at Riley Farm yesterday at 1 o'clock for the big egg hunt. Any of y'all out there? Okay, several of you were. Wonderful. 8,400 eggs littered the property there at Riley Farm and uh, just hundreds of little kids all over the place. What was interesting to me, Jason, is uh, all these eggs were there and these kids were lined up, ready to go. Brother Johnny uh, sound the alarm, they could go. And instead of picking up the eggs right in front of them, they ran as far as they could to where those eggs were and then they worked their way back. I don't know, it was a strategy, all right? strategy that these kids had, but it was wonderful. It didn't take them very long to pick up 8,400 eggs. It was, it was amazing. You know what it did for me? It brought back a lot of memories, you know. I've got some wonderful Easter memories. Uh, uh, growing up in church, being with family, uh, going to Grandma Harmon's house and having egg hunts over there. And man, it was just great. And then Angie bought me these little peeps. Y'all know what peeps are? Huh? You know what peeps are? I'll share them with you after the service. Uh, if it, some of you look like you're about to fall asleep, I may throw you one because <laughs> these are marshmallow chicks and I think they're made out of pure sugar, you know, so they'll get you going, man. So, uh, but it, it reminded me of something else, uh, another Easter memory I just want to share with you as we get going this morning. Uh, when I was, oh, I don't know, maybe five years old, four or five years old, we lived out in the country in Midland and uh, my mom and dad had this great idea of buying my sister and I little chicks for Easter, little baby chicks, real chicks, real live chicken babies, you know. And I don't, we got them at the co-op or something, and they dyed those chicks. Yep. Y'all remember? My age, y'all remember? Yeah, I dyed chicks. My sister had a pink one, I had a blue one. It was awesome. I, I have no idea what my parents were thinking. <laughs> I don't, maybe, maybe dad was thinking, I know the way my dad thinks, we'll let these things grow up and then we'll eat them, you know. I don't know. But they were in my garage, uh, and I would go out every day, and I'd talk to them and play with them. They were in this big box, and, they, you know, they did what little chicks do. Beep, 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 chick, 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 you know, make the little sounds, you know. And, and I'd reach down and pick them up, play with them, and put them back. Five years old, okay, just five years old playing with them. And, and one day they were just in there making all kinds of racket, and I'm thinking, you guys need out of there. You, you guys need to go on a ride. You need to have some fun. And so I started looking around in the garage to, to see if I could find something to give them a ride in. And, and there it was. <laughs> now, for, for those of you who don't know what that is, that is a vintage fertilized spreader, all right? You spread fertilizer with that, and it, 
It has these blades down in the bottom of it. I can never look at a fertilized spreader the same. Or little chicks the same. Anyway, that, that's my favorite Easter memory. I just wanted to share that with you, all right? All right, I needed something to draw you in, and that probably did it right there. So, uh, oh goodness. Today, listen to me, today we celebrate the focal point in all of history. The greatest event that ever happened, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why is it so great? Well, for one reason, it split history in two, from B.C. to A.D. Do you realize that every time you write a check, every time you write down a date, you are referring to the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? We're talking about B.C. to A.D. 2013 years from what? From Jesus Christ and His resurrection. So why is it such a big deal? This Easter today, all around the world, over a billion people will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Well, for a whole lot of reasons. But the main reason is it proved who Jesus was. The resurrection proved who Jesus was. Jesus said some pretty amazing things while he was on this earth. He said stuff like this, I'm God. That got him in some pretty hot water with the religious people of his day. He said, I'm the Savior of the world. I am the Messiah. I am the only way to heaven. Incredible claims and challenges. He said, I am God come to earth in human form so that you can know what God is like. He said, and I will prove it with this. After they kill me, three days later, I will rise from the grave. And he did. So the real issue this morning is simply this. Do you believe? Do you believe Jesus is who he says he was? And do you believe he can save you from your sins? Last week I looked at a passage in John chapter 11. And that's where I want to start today. John chapter 11, we talked about the death of Lazarus. Jesus came after he had been in the tomb for four days. Jesus spoke, called him out, and he came from the dead, all right? But this is what Jesus said in verse 25 of John chapter 11 to Martha. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And that's the question. Do you believe this? If you believe this, and if you trust Jesus as your Savior, your life will be transformed, and He will set you free by His resurrection power. All right? Colossians chapter 1 verse 14 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. But listen to the verse out of the Living Bible. Christ bought our freedom with His blood. Now what does that mean? Christ bought our freedom with His blood. What can Jesus set me free from today? And that's what I want to talk about. I have an endless list of things he can set you free from, but I chipped it down to three because that's all we have time for today. Three things Jesus can set you free from 
today. Three things you need to be set free from. And He's the only one who can do it. And He can only do it because He rose from the dead. Number one, I can be free from the guilt of my past. Guilt is the number one destroyer of happiness. It's the number one source of stress. Did you know that guilt can make you physically sick? It's the number one cause of depression. And you know what? We all have felt it. Many of you feel guilty right here today. We all have regrets because none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. We've all said things we wish we hadn't have said. We've all done things that we wished we had not have done. And so we feel guilty. But here's the good news. God has the power and the desire to wipe your slate clean. He wants to give you a second chance. He wants to let you start over. What Christ did on the cross means that you can be forgiven. Guilt has to go. You can live guilt-free. Now, folks, that is glorious news. Hmm. Ephesians 1, 7. By the death of Christ, we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. God wants to set you free from your sin and your guilt. Listen to me now. Even if there were no such thing as heaven, and there is, okay, and there is, but even if there were not, it would be worth believing in Jesus and becoming a follower of Christ just to have a clear conscience. Just to be forgiven of your sin and have that guilt gone. Colossians 3.14, I love this verse. He has canceled every record of the debt we owed. Christ has done away with it by nailing it to His cross. He's canceled He's canceled our sin. He's canceled our debt. Canceled is like a canceled check. How long do you remember a canceled check? Not very long. How long do you remember a bill that's been paid? Well, you don't. You just forget it. What God has forgiven, I can forget. He's cast it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to bring it up to my attention again. I don't have to keep beating myself to death over things that I have done and regret in the past, rehearsing the memory over and over in my life. I can quit nailing myself to a cross over things I feel bad about because Jesus was nailed to a cross for me. <laughs> That's good news. Great news. Every time I talk about this and think about this, and I've told you this before, I think of that thing I used to have on vacations as a kid as we traveled down the road. Mom and Dad always made sure we had one in the car. Kids today watch, you know, they watch movies in cars. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah. All I had was an Etch-a-Sketch. Remember those? Had two little dials on it. You could draw pictures, and when you messed up or whatever, turn it over, shake it, flip it back over, and what is it? The slate's clean. That's what God wants to do for us today. This is the Etch-A-Sketch verse of the Bible. God says, I want to wipe your slate clean. I want to give you a clear conscience. I want to forgive you of your sins, to give you a second chance. You can start over. I'll forgive you. Guilt gone. Isn't that great? 
to take all the bad things I've done in the past, all of my mistakes, all of my failures, and just forget about them. I can do that when Jesus forgives me. Uh, for those of you who are baseball fans, you may know the name Lou Gehrig. He was a, one of the great baseball players of all times, played for the Yankees. He was, he was tagged the Iron Man of baseball. Yankee fans loved him, Danny, because he always got a piece of the ball. He always put the wood on the ball, man. They knew when Lou got up to bat, things were going to happen. He was leading his Yankees to a, to a pennant championship, and they were in this really tight game. It was the ninth inning. You know, bases loaded, two outs, <laughs> you know. Ideal situation. Guess who steps up to the plate? Oh, Lou Gehrig did. The announcer said, the best man in baseball has just stepped up to the plate. All the fans knew he was going to get a hit. So he sat in, he waited for the first pitch, strike one. Fans became a little uneasy. They were saying, come on, Lou, you can do it. He regained his composure, got ready. Second pitch, strike two. Oh, everybody's a little nervous now, but you know what? They haven't lost confidence. Lou's the man. If anybody can hit the ball, Lou can. So he took the bat and he did what all great players do. Whack, whack. Knocked the mud off his cleats, gets ready. Third pitch, Danny, here it comes. Strike three. You're out. This is the only time a church is like a baseball game. <laughs> Y'all are quiet and they were. Then Lou Gehrig did something he never did. He turned around and he said something to the umpire. And then he walked to the dugout. Well, of course, all the sports writers, what did he say? What did they, they couldn't wait to get down on the field and ask Lou what he said to the umpire. So as soon as the game was over, they rushed him. They said, Lou, we want to know what you said to the umpire. And he kind of smiled and he said, I told him I'd give $10,000 to have that pitch again. I don't know if you've ever felt that way about your life. You know what? I can honestly tell you, there are some things that I've done in my past that I wished I could do over again. Sometimes playing golf with my buddies, we may all have a bad shot on a tee box. And sometimes what we agree to is a mutual agreement that we do it over again. A mutually agreed do-over. Sometimes I want that in my life. I'd like to go back and do some things over again. How many of you feel the same way? We all have regrets. We all have things we wish we had not have done. And those things can haunt us, can't they? They can keep you up at night. They can be nightmares you wake up to in the morning. But you know what? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and because of the power that Jesus now has... All of that guilt can be gone. God can forgive you of all of your sins and forgive you of your past. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation awaiting those who belong to Jesus Christ. Regardless of who you are and regardless of what you have done, you matter to God. God loves you and God wants to forgive you. And God wants to set you free from your sin and your guilt and all of your regrets. He wants to give you a second chance. And it's never too late to start over. Reminds me of the lady whose husband died. 
as a widow she had put on the tombstone, the light of my life has gone out. About two years later, she met this other guy and fell in love with him and got married. So she went back to the tombstone and had it changed to say, I've struck a new match. <laughs> I didn't think you'd laugh at that one. I, you know, I never know what you're going to laugh at. Here's the deal. God wants to say, God wants to strike a new match in your life. He wants to set you free from the guilt of the past. But you know what? That's just part of it because number two, Jesus Christ wants to set you free from the bondage of today. Now, I've changed that from my outline because really what I set up on the screen is He wants to set you free from the worries of today. America is a nation of worriers, aren't we? I mean, you name it, we worry about it. Bills, problems, health, career, kids. And then when we don't have anything to worry about, we worry that we don't have anything to worry about. One of the things that bothers me is that every time I pick up a paper, they're telling me there's another food that I can't eat because it's bad for me. Don't you hate that? I've got a buddy who uh, went to the doctor recently and, and the doctor told him he's going to have to give up red meat. He loves red meat. He loves to eat hamburgers. And so what he no longer does is this. He just doesn't put ketchup on his hamburger anymore. <laughs> Again, I didn't think you'd laugh at that either. I tell you, I tell you it, it's, it's the fertilized spreader story that got you going, isn't it? You can't breathe because the air's bad. You can't drink because the water's bad. You know, we worry about everything, don't we? We invent things to worry about. Now, we're a pretty open and transparent church. I believe that. But i got to tell you, your pastors worry. Not just me. The whole lot of us worry. We worry about you. We worry about what you're going through. We worry about what you're going to say or what you're going to do. We worry about what we're going to say to you. This past week, one of our members, I was, I was telling him, you know, I'm really struggling with what to do on, on Sunday night of Easter, you know. Do we have Bible study? Do we not have Bible study? We've decided not to have Bible study and let you have family time. But I was talking to him about it and just going on and on. He said, would you stop worrying about it? So I went and I looked up the word worry in the dictionary. It means to have a divided mind. And really, that's what worry is. It's this mental tug of war that's pulling you in different directions. Look, look at me. Okay, Wouldn't you like to be free from worry? 1 Peter 1-2. I've been reading out of the Living Bible, so let me read it to you out of the Living Bible. 1 Peter 1-2. God's Spirit has been at work in your heart through Jesus Christ. May God grant you increasing freedom from anxiety and fear. Wow, God grant me that. I need that. The Bible says don't panic, pray. <laughs> don't panic, pray. Cast all of your care on who? On the Lord. Listen, if it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. Worry never solved the problem. Worry is absolutely useless. Worry cannot change your past. Worry cannot control the future. All worry does is mess up today. In fact, what most of us do is spend most of our lives 
regretting the past, worrying about today and tomorrow. So we mess up today and we waste today. And it messes up our lives. So what is the secret of living worry-free? Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or as Phillips puts it in his translation, I am ready for anything through the strength of Christ who lives inside of me. The secret of worry-free living is to trust Jesus every single day. And not only for today, but trust Him for tomorrow. Say something like this to the Lord. God, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. You do. So I'm not going to sweat it, God, because with your power in me, I can handle whatever comes. I can handle anything the devil throws at me through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. For you see, the same power that raised Christ on resurrection Easter 2,000 years ago is the same power that is available to you today to help you rise above your problems and your worries. I've said many times there are 365 fear knots in the Bible. How many? 365. One for every day of the year. So it's as if God is saying, get the message, don't be afraid. Don't worry. I can handle it if you will trust me. So I want you to understand what we've been talking about. We've talked about our past. We've talked about yesterday. Because of Easter and the power of the resurrection... I don't have to regret the past anymore. Jesus can forgive me for my past. We've talked about our present. We've talked about today. Because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, I can live worry-free. Whatever happens in my life, I can handle it because Jesus lives inside of me. So we've talked about our past. We've talked about our present. What do you think we're going to talk about next? (laughs) Our future. Let's talk about tomorrow. Point number three. Jesus can set me free from having to earn my way to heaven. Colossians 2.20. Again, I've been reading a lot out of the Living Bible. Let me read this verse out of the Living Bible. Christ has set you free from following the world's idea of how to be saved by doing good and obeying various rules. I want you to understand what that verse is saying. This is the world's idea of how you are to be saved. To obey various rules and to be good. If I were to go down to a corner of a busy intersection here in Fort Smith and take a a personal survey on this street corner and ask everybody who came along, are you going to heaven? Probably 99% would say, I hope so. (laughs) Because I've asked a lot of people that question. And I get that answer a whole lot. Well, I hope so. Then if I were to follow it up with the question, on what do you base that hope? 99% of them would say, well, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to be the best person I can be. You know what God says about that answer? (laughs) Wrong answer. That's the world's idea of how you get to heaven, isn't it? Just be a good person. Do the best you can, you know. And at the end, if your good outweighs your bad, you might have a chance to get in. (laughs) 
I'm going to give you a summary of the entire Bible, okay? Here's the cliff notes on the Bible. Here's what the Bible says about your future. And I would suggest you trust what the Bible says more than you trust what Hollywood says. Okay? Because God knows a whole lot more about it than we do. And here's what God says. Heaven is a perfect place. Heaven is absolutely perfect. There is no sin in heaven. There's no crime in heaven. There's no bad motives in heaven. There are no diseases in heaven, no mistakes in heaven. Heaven is absolutely perfect. Second thing the Bible tells us about heaven is you've got to be perfect to get in. It's a perfect place, and you've got to be perfect to get into heaven. If God let imperfect people into heaven, guess what? It wouldn't be perfect anymore. So if you want to go to heaven, you've got to be perfect. You're sitting there right now saying, I don't have a chance. You're absolutely right. Neither do I. But folks, that's what Easter is all about. That's what Easter is about. God sent His Son. Now, you have heard me say from this pulpit numerous times, there's only how many ways to get to heaven? One way. And that's the truth. But let me just kind of back up and broaden this a little bit and say it like this. Could it be that there are two ways to get to heaven? The other way is this. From the moment you were born, you live an absolutely perfect, sinless life. You never do anything wrong. You never do anything bad. You never have an impure thought. I mean, your thought life is just pure. Your deeds are absolutely perfect. You never do anything wrong. You never have a bad or ill feeling towards anyone. You're just perfect. And then when you die and you stand before God, and He says, why should I let you into my perfect heaven? You say, because Lord, I am perfect. I've lived a perfect life. And if that were the case, He would say to you, well, you've earned it. Come on in. Now, let, let me just ask you, is that going to happen? No. We know it's not going to happen. Don't we? Because the Bible declares all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no way you can earn heaven on your good deeds. You can't do it. And so what did God do? Well, God came up with a great plan. We're going to call it the plan of salvation. God gives us a chance to get into heaven through His plan of salvation. God came to earth in human form to show us what it's like to live a perfect life. We call that person Jesus. And by trusting in Christ, the only person who is perfect, you can go to heaven. You can't get in through your own righteousness. Because your righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. But Jesus was perfect. He died a substitutionary death for you. Literally, he took your sins on his body as he hung on the tree. His blood was shed to wipe your sins away. And so one day you're going to die. All of us are. And you're going to stand before God and God is going to say, Why should I let you into my perfect heaven? You can either say, Because I earned it, which is not going to get you in. Or you can say, because I trusted in your son who said you'd let me in because of him.
ding, 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 ding. <laughs> it's the only way you're getting in. Because you see, it's a gift. That's what our salvation is. You can't earn it. You can't purchase it. God wants to give it to you. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The, the fact of the matter is, we don't like to talk about it, but we're all going to die, aren't we? We all will. And it seems to me that since you know it's going to happen, only a, a foolish person would go all the way through life totally unprepared for something that is inevitable. Right? So I would say to you today, you're not ready to live until you're ready to die. It's going to come. So the obvious question is, do you believe? That's where we started, do you believe? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. You are going to die, but even if you die, you can keep on living. If you trust me, if you believe in me, do you believe this? And, and so that's what I'm asking you, do you believe this? Every one of us came to Easter Sunday this morning for different reasons. Some of you came out of habit. Some of you came out of tradition. Some of you came because that's what you do on Easter. You go to church. Some of you came because a friend invited, invited you. Some of you came because you got a phone call this week from Marty Sloan, pastor at Harvest Time. How many of y'all got those calls from Marty? All right. Several of you did. You got the call from Marty and, and you just got confused on the location. You showed up here. I'll take that, man. Regardless of why you think you're here, you are not here by accident. A thousand years ago, before you were born, God knew that you would be here today. God wants you to know that He loves you and that He can save you and that He can set you free. And, and these three benefits I talked about today, I can live guilt-free, I can live worry-free, I can live not having to earn my way to heaven. That's the good news of Easter. You can be forgiven. God, God is going to help you in the future if you trust Him. You, you can settle your eternal destiny today. These three benefits I talked about are summed up in one word, and that is the word salvation. You've heard that word before. Salvation. Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. That is His gift to you. Have you received the gift? Now, when you came in today, you were given a couple of things. You were given this, this decal, window decal. Uh, please stick it on your, your car window and, and let people know where you go to church. All right? And then, please, if you put that on your window of your car... Would you please drive right? <laughs> I just thought of that. I didn't think of that when we had these things made. I just thought of that right now. But if you're going <laughs> to have one of those, please drive right. Or if you don't, just tell people, I stole this car or something like that. <clears throat> Second thing you received was one of these pens. It's our gift to you. If you tried to use it, it won't write at first. You've got to prime it. You've got to <laughs> scribble around to prime the thing, but it'll work. 
It'll work. It's one of our how to go to heaven pens. You can see it in the box right there if you got yours out. If you don't, don't worry about it. I'll tell you what it says, all right? How to go to heaven. As simple as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus can save you. And C, confess. Confess him as Lord of your life. You know what? It's as simple as that. We, we try to make it difficult. It's not difficult. It's not, the Bible is deep. You can spend your whole life studying the Bible and still not get everything. It's deep. But salvation is simple. God loves you. He cares about you. He wants to save you and forgive you. Give you a home in heaven. As simple as ABC. If you've never invited Jesus into your heart, it's what this service is all about today, to give you an opportunity to do this. I've got a prayer up on the screen, just a real simple prayer. Back when I was young, I, I prayed a prayer like this to invite Jesus into my heart. If you want to, you can say this prayer with me. In fact, let's just all read the prayer out loud together, okay? Dear God, I believe Jesus Christ was who he claimed to be, your son, and that he proved it by rising from death. Jesus Christ, thank you for dying for me on the cross. I want to invite you into my heart and experience the freedom you offer. I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and Savior. I accept your free gift of salvation. You know, really, all it takes is a prayer like that, a very simple prayer, asking Jesus into your heart. I was six years old when I invited Jesus into my heart. But you know what? I've prayed with men 80 years old who have invited Jesus into their heart. It, the important thing is that you do it, that you believe, and that you invite Jesus into your life. So let me just ask you, because it's going to happen one day. You're going to stand before God, and he's going to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What are you going to say? The only way you're going to get in is through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way that can happen is by praying a simple prayer and invite Jesus into your heart. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head, okay? Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. Would you like to pray that prayer? Would you like to pray the prayer and invite Jesus into your heart? You prayed it with me a while ago. But if you'd like to invite Jesus into your heart and you really mean it from your heart, would you do it right now with me again? Okay, and I'm going to condense the prayer and make it a whole lot shorter right now. If you want to invite Jesus into your heart, pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I accept you as my Savior. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. I trust you. And I invite you in. Amen. Now, look at me, okay? Everybody look at me. If you did that and you meant it with your heart, with all your heart, the good news is God saved you. God forgave you. All it takes is a prayer like that. Jesus will forgive you. The important thing is that you do it and that you believe. Let's say you did that. Let's say you prayed that prayer. What do you do next? Well, the first thing that you need to do is share that decision with somebody. 
Really, that's the acid test of whether or not you've truly believed that you're no longer ashamed, that you're ready to tell everybody, I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I want to give you the opportunity here in a minute to come forward and pray with one of our pastors and, and let this congregation know that you've been saved. Second thing you need to do is you need to get plugged into a church. That's the reason God made the church, to give you spiritual nourishment, to help you grow as a believer. So you need to get plugged into a local church family. I have people tell me all the time, oh, I can live the Christian life without being a part of the church. No, you can't. It's not what the Bible says. You need to get involved in a church. We've got a great church. We'd love to have you in this church. But you know what? There are other great churches in our community as well. And you need to go where God tells you to go and get plugged in to a local church. You may be here today, though, and, and you've been saved, but you're away from God. Does he have a word for you today? <laughs> you bet he does. Come home. Come home. Let's start this Easter Sunday doing the right thing, and that is getting close to Jesus. And I invite you to come and do that at the altar right now. Would you stand up? Let's all stand up. We're going to sing a song. And if you would like to come and pray, our pastors are going to be down here at the front. If there is a need in your life you want to come pray about, they'll pray with you. If you invited Jesus into your heart and became a believer, come and pray with one of these pastors. Let them know what you've done. Come and pray right now.